first, we got to get to the top news story of the day. And, you know, Mike Smith's been talking about it since the press briefing uh, happened earlier this morning. Premier David Eby making an announcement with regard to ICBC. Here is what the Premier said. I'm pleased to announce that thanks to the reforms we made uh, that have turned around our Crown Corporation, there will be no increases to ICBC's overall basic rate for the next two years. This will help keep insurance affordable for British Columbians at a time when people are facing significant cost pressures. All right. So from dumpster fire to frozen, (laughs) how does this ICBC rate freeze land? We will open phones about that coming up in a few moments. But first, I want to unpack it all with our good friend, uh, Global News uh, legislative reporter Richard Zussman is on the line. Hi, Richard. Hey, Jody. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'd love to talk to you about this. How do you, uh, how have you taken this all in? Is th- Does this <laughs> feel remarkably political? Is, it, is this just that kind of a move or, or how does it fall with you? It, it feels remarkably political in the sense that when we saw the second quarter financial numbers uh, just a few weeks ago from then Finance Minister Selena Robinson, it showed that ICBC actually is projected this year to lose money. And the main reason for that uh, is because of a loss in investments. Fine. But on the face of that, it's hard to believe that facing losses, uh, the government uh, believes it's going to forge through uh, with freezing these rates. And we also know that there's now a cabinet order in place requiring the BCUC that is supposed to be an independent regulator to keep these rates at zero. So historically, the BCUC has operated in a sense that they can approve or not approve suggestions from government in terms of increases or decreases or freezes of ICBC rates. In this case, the government is forging ahead in a political sense and saying, you know, we believe that the financial situation, the public insurer is good, and therefore you need to ensure that rates stay flat it's exact it's not exactly this thing that the ndp criticized the liberal foreign government but it's starting to get eerily close yes yeah icbc is in much better financial situation now than it was five or six years ago but still it seems like at a time when we're seeing this forecast of losses to freeze the rates as, as you alluded to it feels very political Interesting, though, those forecasted losses and what is going to land and, and sort of remain, I think, with our listener and, and people like me is the, the thing that resonates is we are in an affordability nightmare, inflation spiking, everything's costing more. It feels like, well, at least they're trying to do something. So that's yeah. the narrative that, that like the grab that headline and, and throw it out there. Yeah, and I think that's how it's going to resonate with the public. You know, none of this is free. The money comes from somewhere. But the reality is this government did put ICBC in a position where we can at least talk about keeping rates steady and affordable. There was this recent Ernst & Young report that showed the BC now has some of the best car insurance rates in the country after for years and years and years leading in terms of some of the most expensive in the country. So this this shift to no fault has helped Bully the bottom line, so did COVID, although that was a factor in all of the provinces in terms of seeing a massive drop-off in claims and crashes due to a drop-off in people using the roadways. And we still haven't seen driver behavior get back to normal as more people work from home. All of that is good for the public insurer in terms of, you know, having less risk associated with the roadway because of that decrease in traffic. But, you know, it's at least the province have put themselves in the position. That the thing we have to debate, Jody, is, is it okay to play politics with ICBC? You know, yeah. the NDP criticized the Liberals, but if you're going to manage this well, 
then maybe it is an opportunity, as you said, to say to British Columbians, this is one of our pieces around affordability, that we know that car insurance is something that, you know, comes as a pain every month or once a year, depending how you want to pay. And the province does step in and say, we need as a government to help you uh, make life a little bit more affordable. And, and car insurance rates is one of those ways they can do it. Uh, and, and the stability here that this offers, uh, you know, maybe is a good sign as, as we get to some sort of normalcy away from that dumpster fire. Right. Oppressively offensive for young people. I mean, I'm so grateful hey. for my for my age and my quote unquote star discount, whatever, uh, because it is unbelievably expensive. And there was a time not long ago where you and I, Richard, we would have the conversation about how it was the most expensive uh, province to live in, in terms of having to insure your vehicle. And interesting to hear Mike Farnworth, the public safety minister, um, speak to the fact that it will now be as low as it was eight years ago and the lowest in the country, perhaps, if if the math is done a certain way. So while, while we will always debate any move made by our government, that's our job. Uh, it's interesting how much that narrative has, has shift in eight years. It, it, it's remarkable. I did a lot of ICBC stories for a long time, Jody. And yes, this was one did. of the dominant political issues. And there have been challenges in just operating the public insurer. And all of a sudden, it seemed with the switch to no fault, a lot of that went away. But we are hearing, you know, in our global news email inboxes, uh, every day, stories from people who feel they are not getting what they need following a crash. And the province took away a lot of the powers around legal recourse and put in one of the best uh, plans in terms of uh, rehab and treatment that's offered but there were often concerns around meeting expectation about lost income, about yeah. lost work. And yes, the no-fault program allows people to get back on their feet quickly and give them the treatment they need. Uh, but if that treatment is severe, it le- if it leads to lifelong dis- diminishment or long-term disabilities, then there aren't as many supports there as would have been previously uh, in the system where the you know the tort system where you could sue um, and and go to court and get a big settlement in some cases. So we're hearing lots of stories of people who are struggling here. So this system works really well for those great drivers who aren't in crashes. But if you're involved in a crash, yes, there are real good supports in terms of rehab and um, physio and all of these things. Uh, but there's not great support when it comes to long-term job loss or long-term physical. Uh, uh, challenges in terms of continuing on with everyday life. Certainly. And and that's really well laid out in your article. I urge everybody to go to globalnews.ca and read uh, Richard and, and, and Amy Judd's uh, collaborative article here um, that, that really does lay that out. That cap is not insignificant. That settlement cap on injuries, like you said, there are some people who under this new system, while it does stop the dumpster fire of those who were utilizing those loopholes within the system to perhaps garner a settlement greater than what they would necessarily deserve, because it was sometimes, I guess, easier to just do the settlement than to go through the legal system because it was more costly to do so. So there's a lot of pieces to this particular puzzle. So I urge our listeners to uh, to check out globalnews.ca and see Richard, uh, Richard Zussman's piece on this. So does this, and I heard Mike talking about this earlier, does it kind of feel like with, with this being sort of one of those cookies that kind of signals that an election would be sooner rather than later? 
I don't buy this one bit, Jody. Okay, okay. The situation was, this is a massive majority government. David Eby is a brand new premier. Uh, He is delivering on what he's committed to. I think it's cynical to think that every time a government does something that's good for people, it's because they want votes in return. I think this is a government that is trying to build up good credit. People don't know David Eby. They're getting to know him. He wants to be seen as a guy that can deliver, and this is part of it. It's not going to take one ICDC announcement to do that. He's got to build up a lot of credit, considering you know a lot of British Columbians really don't know what he, who he is and what he stands for. So I don't buy it. I'm not as cynical as Smitty is. I think we're going all the way to the fall of 2024. I'd even be willing to, to book some vacations in possible wow. times where we could have an election, Jody. And I'm telling my kids I'm not going away for six weeks until the fall of 2024. Uh, and I don't like letting my kids down. So I, I, don't, I don't think we're having that early election. I love the way you laid that out. Thank you so much, Richard. <laughs> Always a pleasure to hang out with you on the radio for a little bit. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, have a great show, Jody. My pleasure as always. Thanks.